1: Welcome to the Transition Wild Podcast, the home for those looking for expertise and inspiration on all things Western big game hunting. I'm your host, Adam Parr, and you're listening to episode number 40, where we talk with Brad Delman on Western shed hunting. All right, thanks for joining me again on the Transition Wild Podcast, hosted on the sports Nation Podcast Network. All right, some big things going on. I'm the TransitionWild.com website. I have up and running the 2019 Colorado beginner elk hunting guide. This has been new and improved for this year. Uh, so if you don't know what that entails, it's a it's a 10 page PDF that I've put together that covers everything elk hunting in Colorado, archery, rifle, um, scouting, when to hunt, where to hunt, breaking down different units and, um, big game draw over the counter opportunities. Um, gear recommendations, uh, articles on tactics and strategy, um, kind of all the above. So it really kind of gets you started with elk hunting in Colorado. And new and new for this year, what I've included in the guide are some discount codes uh, for savings when you go purchase some of the gear and the products that I know and love and have used for the past couple years hunting here in Colorado. Those companies are Heads Up Decoy, Real Game Calls, Onyx maps and outdoor edge knives. So definitely go check out that. All you have to do is go to transitionwild.com, subscribe, and I will send you that Colorado beginner elk hunting guide for free. So that's pretty cool. All right, next thing. If you're looking to hunt in Colorado this coming fall, I still have some cabin rental options available for the last week of archery and first second rifle season. So if you're interested in hunting in Colorado this fall, Definitely hit me up, adam at transitionwild.com, or go to the contact page on my website. Hit me up there. I can send you some more information on these cabins. They're at 10,000 feet, surrounded by the National Forest. Excellent hunting opportunities. And you've got a cabin and a, and a bed and a warm place to sleep to come back to you, all for $625 a person. So it's a pretty neat deal. Uh, so, ch- so check that out. Send me a note if you're interested. Last thing before we get started, uh, big development with some of the partnerships with Transition Wild. I can't release any info yet, but there's some pretty big things to come uh, for me, which I will announce on the next episode, which is going to be Podcast 41, so stay tuned to that. All right, on today's show, we have Brad Delman. He's my buddy. I've worked with him in the past, and he is just a shed hunting dog. (laughs) He... He really knows the stuff on shed hunting, and he loves it. And I myself, I, I'm a big shed hunter as well. It's something that I've just grown up doing, and and have loved it even when I lived in Michigan. And uh, since I've moved out to the west, you know, there were when I first started kind of going about it, there was some. It was a learning curve for sure. Um, way different than just walking some field edges and bedding areas and in my home state. So there's there's a lot of stuff that um, is different. There's some similarities, but. Uh, Brad and I cover everything from, you know, first off the uh, shed hunting restrictions that Colorado Parks and Wildlife put into effect last year. So you can't shed hunt on public lands till May 1st. We talk about that and then we kind of dive into some of the the strategies and tactics and, and where to look for both elk and mule deer. So I thought it was pretty fitting, you know, it's April, um, you know, people are getting the bug to get out there and start walking and, and picking up some sheds, so I thought it'd be cool to kind of talk about that, and if you're ever out in Colorado or anywhere in the west during the spring, it's, it's a fun way to kind of get out and explore and, and uh, learn some new country, so it's pretty cool. Um, so let's not wait any longer, let's get Brad Delman on the line. Alright, on the line of the now, we have Brad Delman on the show. How's it going, man? I'm
0: good, Adam. How are you, buddy?
1: I'm doing well, doing well. I'm uh, excited that Colorado is finally starting to let up its winter grip, and the snow is melting, so, uh, the weather's getting warm, so I'm ready to get out and do some shed hunting. How about you?
0: Yeah, it is it is that time of year, you know. Uh me not being an eagle anymore down here in Denver, you know, I, I feel that way <laughs> more than ever. So, you know, things have changed for me a little bit. You know, I'm down in the big city uh, more <laughs> full time. Um so yeah. yeah, I I am uh, I am I'm ready to get up there, do some scouting um and uh you know, see how much snow you guys have up there.
1: Yeah, for sure. Well, it's been it's been quite the winter, at, especially since last year. I mean, it was so dry and, you know, there really wasn't much snow at all. Uh, this year in the high country, it's still holding pretty good. I mean, if you go up to like 8,000 feet right now, there's still a f- foot of snow on the ground. So it's, uh, it's pretty socked in and hopefully it'll melt off here in the next couple of weeks. So everything will be cleared out by May 1st.
0: Yeah, I mean, for for this time of year, for that much snow to be, you know, at that level, uh, it sounds like you guys had a pretty good winter. Um, you know, obviously, I I watch the news down here and try and keep up on you know weather updates uh, up in your neck of the woods. So um, I've certainly been hearing about it. And uh, if you've got that much still at eight thousand feet, you know, this time of year, uh, you've had you've had a pretty good you know <laughs> amount of snow this winter for sure. Yeah,
1: yeah, for sure. So what do you what have you been up to lately, Brad? I haven't talked to you in a hot minute. Um, you've been out to the Kansas farm, Illinois, you've been shed hunting out there. What, uh, what's been going on in your neck of the woods?
0: Yeah, it's, uh, you know, I've been busy, uh, myself, um, and it has been a little while since I've, uh, talked to you, which is, uh, not good. We need to do this <laughs> a little more often, but, uh, exactly. Uh, so yeah, just a little kind of catch up to speed what we've been up to. Um we, we got that Kansas farm, uh, last September. Uh, so hunted a little bit this, uh, fall. Uh, it was good. Um, you know, had, had quite a few bucks showing up. Um, you know, Kansas is interesting. You know, you've got your resident bucks that, you know, are, are close by, but, but out there with everything being so open, you, you get some bucks that really travel, you know, from some, from some distances. Uh, so it was interesting to kind of start doing a trail cam inventory and, and, uh, you know, see what was showing up, Um, you know, ultimately, after it was all said and done through the rut, you know, I I was able to identify, you know, 23 different bucks um, that had come through pretty regularly, Um, you know, but, you know, I'd say resident bucks were were probably just a handful. Um, So, so they really like to travel out there. So it's been fun learning uh, a new state, a uh, new type of hunting, you know, versus Illinois. Uh, it's just, it's just a little bit different. Um, yeah. so that's been fun. Uh, spent some, spent some time in Illinois for sure. Uh, not as much as I would have liked or, or hoped, but you know, it is what it is. Um, and, and just a side note on Illinois, we ended up just selling that, um, within the past few weeks. No way. Uh, that's, just, well, that's, that's yeah, good. yeah, yeah. Just, just, yeah. No, it was good. You know, the plan was to sell that, you know, in the next year or two, but, um, you know, with the Kansas place, we're just trying to shrink our radius, get a little closer to Denver. Um, it's, it sure is nice driving five hours versus 12 to that Illinois farm. And, oh, and yeah. I've always done that, you know, for the last six years, I've made seven or eight trips to that farm, you know, a year and I always drive it and, uh, it's getting kind of old, <laughs> Uh, so, so we knew, we knew, we knew we were going to get rid of that farm here shortly, um, and, and start, you know, like I said, shrinking our radius, getting a little closer to Denver. So we're not traveling so much. Um, so yeah, we, uh, market was good out there. It was strong, um, called, called a buddy I knew, uh, who, who's in sales out there. And, um, we got it listed and got an offer in two days, um, quick closing and the whole process was less than six weeks to, you know, start to finish. So that, that property is gone. I'm going to, I'm going to miss it. That was a, that was a new property. Uh, had <laughs> yeah. great, great river, great river frontage. Um, you know, we logged it last, uh, sorry, last spring. Yeah. Um, so we were able to kind of get a bunch of wood off of it made a little money. Uh, so it was a good investment, you know, and we still, and, and we used it as, you know, recreation, you know, to get away. And, and, uh, I mean, you can't, you can't beat a piece of land where you make a little money and, and you're, you're able to have, you know, a lot of fun with it too. So um, yeah. that was a, that was a, that was a good, a good experience for sure. Um, going through the whole logging process was really cool. Um, but that farm, the reason we did that logging was it, it needed it, you know, uh, and therefore, you know, that tree canopy was so mature and extensive that, it never really let the light into the, to the forest floor that it needed to, yep. to really create that thermal, thermal cover winter browse, you know, cause I'd have bucks come in. It was a great rut farm. Uh, those bucks would come in, you know, during the rut and then they would take off and, you know, do their wintering somewhere else. So as far as the shed hunting aspect, you know, I never had much luck, um, finding, you know, big antlers, mature antlers on that farm, you know, those, those mature deer would come in for a couple months. Uh, They'd usually show up mid-September, you know, be around for the rut, and then they'd disappear. And that was the point of doing the logging, you know, was to try and increase, you know, that habitat and and hopefully hold those deer more year-round rather than just, you know, in the the fall. So uh, shed hunting out there was always kind of hit and miss. It depended on the food you had. Um, It just, you know, there were some other factors. But I, you know, over the years, you know, I'd say I probably found, you know, less than a dozen antlers, a couple good ones. But majority were you know younger deer, um, two and a half year old, a couple three and a half year olds. But but those four, five, six year olds that were around in the rut, you know, they just disappear, and we could never you know score on those antlers. So that was kind of the you know the thinking on that farm was to try and improve it with some logging, and, and we did. We used a forester, we went about it right, um, very happy with the process. Again, you know, made made a little cash, um, and and probably ended up selling it a little you know sooner than we had hoped, but the market was good and I didn't want to miss out on that. So we just unloaded it. And, uh, and now we're actually looking at another piece in Kansas uh, to kind of throw that investment money into. And and, um, you know, maybe now we'll have a couple places in Kansas that are a little bit closer that we can spend some time at. So that's, uh, it's been keeping, keep definitely been keeping us busy um, this spring. Um, So that's kind of what I've been up to. Yeah. I haven't, have not been able to, uh, focus on shed hunting out here, like I would have hoped, but I'm getting that bug, and uh <laughs> hopefully i'll hopefully we'll we'll start doing some scouting and and hitting it hard here uh once may one hits
1: yeah, for sure, well, I mean you are the shed dog brad, and uh i uh <laughs> that's the whole reason of me having you on the podcast is you you're probably the best shed hunter I know, and I just want to pick your brain on on everything and after after you showed up last year to to the office there you called me and you you pulled up outside you know like hey come outside take a look at this your whole freaking truck bed was full of elk sheds and uh i was like damn brad like how do you do this man teach me your ways so here we are
0: (laughs) yeah well uh first and foremost i i uh am no expert in this field whatsoever. Um, you know, it's, it's more for me, it's, it's, uh, persistence, uh, you know, um, putting on the miles, uh, still learning my way, obviously. Um, you know, I, I, I don't know, we've, we've, I've been doing it, you know, up there for probably the last six years. Um, so, you know, I'm, I'm relatively new to it. Um, but, but, you know, I, I, read as much as I can. I watch as much as I can online. Um, you know, trying to learn how to do it. Uh, I, I think my success has fully been, you know, just, uh, putting on the miles, um, and, and, uh, you know, sticking to it and, you know, that's, that's, I don't know. That's, that's my deal. Um, I, 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 like I said, first and foremost, I am no expert on this. Uh, I will offer the information that I can. Um, but, uh, yeah, yeah, that's, that's, um, that's pretty much my story.
1: Yeah. What, you know, for me, I've always just been infatuated with shed hunting. Like I truly just love it. Like there's some people I feel like I do it, you know, um, kind of recreationally, they might go out one or two times, but then you have the guys like yourself, um, myself that just, they think about it like once once it starts warming up this time of year you're just constantly thinking about it and <laughs> i don't know what it is like yeah, i just caught yeah. this bug a long time ago when i lived in michigan and it's just never never really went away and uh i feel like you're kind of the same person you just you just love doing it and and can't wait to get out there
0: yeah i mean you know and as far as the recreational side of it you know the people that do it you know here and the Uh, it's just a way to get out, you know, and explore, uh, nature, you know, be in the mountains, um, get some exercise, especially, you know, when you're coming out of winter and you've been socked in all winter and you haven't been doing much, I mean, you get that (laughs) cabin fever, you just want to get out and do it. And then there's, you know, then there's like you and I, that, that cannot wait to get out there and, and start looking for these antlers. And, and what I think about it, you know, what I think so cool about it is that, you know, no human hand has ever touched these things. You're the first person to ever touch this. Yeah. Um, and it's like, it's like a treasure hunt, you know, there's, there's, you know, some people are better at it than others, you know, and that comes down to, you know, your preparedness, you know, what you do, um, to help you find those antlers before you even leave the house. Um, so, you know, you've got plenty of things that you can do to kind of help you figure it out and and cut down on that time of, of just going out there and, and walking aimlessly, you know, looking for antlers, you know, we, we all know the cliche spots. Um, but yep. but there are other ways that I think you can kind of um, you know figure out where those animals are more likely going to be than not um, and and any and especially now that you know Colorado's bumped everything back to may one it's it's really a scramble because you know in the past when it was March fifteenth you know i I would hit it hard day one march fifteenth and and I was kind of done you know, looking hard by May one, you know, that yeah. six week period was that prime time where you could, you know, get out there and, and, and you could see, you know, starting now, May one, you're starting to look into, you know, spring green up. Yeah. Um, and it's getting hard. It's, you've got to look, you know, harder. And, and your, your timeframe um, is, is much shorter. So whatever you can do to, you know, eliminate those, you know, the spots that aren't so productive, you know, the better. So um, yeah. But, you know, I, I grew up, you know, in Ohio, doing some shed hunting, not, you know, nothing too seriously. You know, it was always fun to get out there in the woods because I loved just being in the woods, you know, and you'd find a few here and there, you know, and find a couple that the squirrels hadn't touched yet, but that's, what's kind of cool about here too is, is I here that's been chewed by a squirrel. I've, I've found a couple that might've been chewed by a porcupine or, or, you know, drug around by a, a coyote or something, but you know, you don't have the squirrels, you know, take yeah. them down the nubs, which, which is cool because you can, you can go out in the fall and, and still find, you know, hard antlers that fell, you know, that that previous spring that are still in really great shape. <clears throat> you could never do that in the Midwest. Um, plus, you know, without here and with all the public ground we have, uh, you just have so much room to explore and roam. Um, you know, where where you know back in the Midwest or, or wherever you're from, you know, you might have a you know hundred acre parcel, and if the deer aren't there, they're not there, and you're not going to find them sheds. And, and out here, you can you can you know take a couple mile walk and actually you know find a handful of sheds, you know, and and try different places and, and, you know, just really find them all over. So that's the difference for me. You know, I, I grew up doing it and I always enjoyed doing it, but until I got out here and started kind of really getting into it, you know, six or seven years ago. <clears throat> it's, it's a totally different ball game. It's, it's so much more fun out here. <laughs> oh yeah.
1: Yeah, for sure. And you, and you touched on it a little bit before, before we get in kind of more of the, I want to pick your brain on a bunch of strategy stuff and, you yep. know, doing the maps yep. and kind of, kind of pre-scouting. But um, you know, May 1st is that, that regulation or, or the shed hunting restriction was put in place by Colorado parks and wildlife starting last year. And uh, you'd mentioned previously before that it was March 15th. And in some areas there wasn't any shed restrictions, Um, you know, some units before that you could even go uh, all year round. Um, What's your whole take on on the whole May 1st thing? Like I I definitely think it's a good, a good move um, because it was getting to a point where animals are getting pressured. There's too many people out there, but I feel like there are some loopholes in the system. Like, you know, for example, you could still go out and go turkey hunting on, you know, BLM right. land or, you know, some of these wintering areas uh, or just if you want to go hike or whatever. But you're in those same areas, yet you can't pick up a shed. Um, what's mm-hmm. your whole take on it? Like, I feel like there should be some further regulations. Like, if May 1st is going to be the day, then, you know, we need right. to – I feel like the CPW needs needs to maybe designate certain areas that are closed completely to human traffic because there's always loopholes in the system and people are going to get around that. You know what I'm saying?
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, this is all, you know, this is all pretty new to us. I mean, that kind of what hit just, just last year. So I I think they're still trying to feel their way out. Um, I think something is needed for sure. Um, I, I, I don't know if I agree with the main one date. Um, I, I think something needs to be in place. I thought March 15th was always a good date. Um, you know, I, I don't know. It's, 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 I'm, I'm torn. Uh, I know exactly, you know, what they're trying to do and, and, and it's, it's, you know, commendable, you know, that they're trying to keep, because, you know, shed hunting as as you know, has become super popular and more and more people are doing it, you know, year after year. Um, so they're trying to keep the people out um, or, or, you know, as I don't know how to say it, but it, it's just, there's more people going out there now. So they're, they're, they're trying to back it up to, uh, you know, eliminate that and, and decrease the pressure. But I don't know. I mean, March 15th was always a good date to me because, you know, if, if you were willing to go out, if you had a hard winter, like, like you did this year, um, you're probably not going to be traipsing around March 15th through a foot and a half of snow looking for antlers. Yeah. Um, so therefore, therefore that would bump you back too, and it would give those animals, you know, their chance to get out of that, you know, that, that critical zone where, where they're, you know, lower on nutrition and, and, and they're waiting for that, you know, kind of warm um, you know, versus, you know, a year where, you know, it's, it's very, very mild and, uh, March 15th would be fine because obviously those animals are coming through the winter, uh, better off. Um, they've probably already started to move to higher ground, um, and and you know so so march 15th date is is completely fine yeah um you know i i see that they're bumping it back to may one to, to keep the people out but you know i i think you're trying to the people that they're trying to keep out or, or by bumping it back is you know the folks that are you know maybe harassing these animals and that's already against the law yeah. um you know to at me as a as a responsible shed hunter or a good shed hunter just like probably the majority of us you know when we're out there walking around hiking around looking for antlers you know the woods chasing these animals trying to get these antlers to fall off you know yeah if if, if i'm walking if i'm slinking through you know a sage flat or or you know some of the hills and and i see animals and i see a deer with you know antlers still on his head I'm changing my game plan. I'm going the other direction because I know if I don't, you know, bother that animal, he's going to stay there and, and I can come back in a couple of weeks and, and maybe find those antlers. I've got a better chance of getting those antlers. If I, you know, let that animal be and, and, you know, and he just kind of bounds over the hill. No, no big deal. I mean, these animals are prey animals. They're, they're constantly day in, day out. There's always something after them. Yeah. Um, so, so, me, as a shed hunter, you know, slinking through the woods, I, I don't feel like I'm doing any undue pressure to that animal, you know, um, as opposed to what he would normally feel, you know, day in, day out. Now, yeah. I understand, you know, more and more people are doing it, so they're trying to limit that, but um, the people that are doing it may be incorrectly in, in using, you know, machines, um, you know, snowmobiles four-wheelers dirt bikes whatever they're doing on 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 certain lands to you know maybe look for these you know that's that's you're starting to get into that harassing and that's already you know against the law so I, I don't know i i feel like a little bit that this may one thing is is helping to kind of police that but you know you've already got a law in place to to you know guard against that harassment yep. you know kind of thing so I don't know. I don't know. I, I think something is definitely needed. I, I don't know if I agree with the May 1. But, you know, back to your point, um, you do have hikers out there anyway. Uh, you've got turkey hunters. So I, I think it needs to be kind of delved into a little further and uh, some more guidelines put in place. Um, you know, I I, I just, it, it's, the law is, is purely, in, in my eyes, you know, meant to kind of hurt the Responsible shed hunter.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, in in a perfect world, I'd I'd like to see it as this. I'd like to see all Western states get on the same page, and um, kind of kind of gauge, uh, it, it not necessarily set a certain date. You know, like May one year after year. Mm-hmm. Um, I think if all right. of the all the states got on the same page, there was some sort of like kind of national, um, legislation here in the West uh, where States could gauge the weather, you know, cause on a, on a year like, you know, this winter, I think May 1st is, is pretty appropriate, you know, by the time, by the time, you know, stuff starts melting off and whatever, um, you know, the, the May 1st deadline is, is going to be pretty accurate. Now, somewhere like last year where we didn't have too much snow, um, you know, maybe yeah. it's April 1st or something, you know, I, I think, and, mm-hmm. and I think, you know, like with Colorado putting in the May 1st um, deadline, I think you're going to see a lot of people going to Wyoming and Utah and pounding those spots, you know what I'm saying? So, um, you know, I, I think I think if all the states got on the same page and said, all right, we're going to make a, a ruling, you know, case by case basis on a year, year assessment, um, you know, I feel like that's going to better everybody on 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 multiple states and it's just going to be better for the animals in general so i don't know that's my kind of take on it i wish there would be some sort of national policy everyone could get on the same page and then they set a date based on kind of what the weather and the winter would look like that's just my opinion
0: yeah yeah and i i could i could totally get on board with that i mean this is this is a, a new precedent you know out here in the west you know in the old days it was you know you could <laughs> go out whenever you wanted, look for antlers, and there weren't many, many people doing it. You yeah. know, it's 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 just become so darn popular that um you're just seeing more and more uh folks out there. Um and, and you know, and I'm sure there's there's uh some unwanted pressure on those animals, no doubt about it. And and I know that's what you know Parks and Wildlife sees and uh and they're trying to curb. So yeah. Um I, I you know it's, it's all a new, a new thing out here for the West and and everybody's trying to find their way. Um, hopefully, yeah, hopefully we can, um, get, get states more, uh, on board together, um, and, and figure out a system. Um, so yeah, I, I, you know, that's, that's a good point you make. And, uh, I I could totally see something like that working. Um, how soon that would happen. I don't know. Uh, I think it's probably going to stay state by state for a little while. Um, but you know, uh, we'll see what we'll see what happens. It, yeah. it is what it is, you know, and, and, and as responsible shed hunters, we're going to follow the rules and, and, you know, still get out there and hit it hard and do what we can and, and do what we love. But um, yeah, it's, it's an interesting time, you know, with, with what's going on for sure.
1: Yep. Yep. For sure. Well, cool. Well, let's, let's talk a little bit of strategy here, Brad. And, and uh, I just kind of yeah. want to pick your brain of where you start. Um, you know, you talked a little bit on it earlier, but you kind of start, planning and maybe picking out some spots on your computer so um, talk to us about how you use maybe google earth or onyx maps and how that plays into kind of maybe your your scouting strategy before you start heading out there and and putting boots on the ground talk to us a little bit about how you initially get started and and what you're using for for certain applications
0: yeah i mean you know in the winter time i live on google earth i mean i love just looking at terrain, um, looking at potentially where those animals might be given, you know, given the the current weather, you know, uh, snow levels that winter, um, you know, so I, I Google Earth uh, is an immense tool for really figuring all that out. Um, now, not to say it's 100% foolproof, um, I've <laughs> isolated spots where I thought for sure, you know, animals would be and they weren't there, you know, it, it all depends on you know their needs and and what they're finding in in those certain areas so yeah google earth is 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 crucial um especially me now being down here uh in denver more full time um you know I'm starting to look for places down here that I've never shed hunted or even thought about shed hunting you know in the foothills uh looking for you know and and I also use the parks and wildlife has a great you know Colorado uh, hunting atlas which is is awesome for you know figuring out public versus private land, finding those lines, uh, you know, being able to put layers on there to, to find summering, you know, areas, wintering areas, those transition zones. Um, so, so those are probably the two that I use the most. Um, and, and when I, you know, find a place on, on Google earth, um, you know, you can only get so much from that uh, as far as the terrain features. I'll, if I've got a map, you know, if I've got an old top, uh, topographic map that that is for that area, I'll then kind of, even bust that out and start looking at actual you know terrain and seeing like how steep certain areas you know are and, and how hard it may be to get to
1: that area yep uh,
0: for me i'm I'm trying to isolate spots that are you know off the beaten path you know um, but still at elevations where those animals could potentially be I've got no issue you know hiking my butt off to get to a spot where you know I might find you know a single a single shed um, you know last uh, let's see. It wasn't last year because I didn't get to get out there as much as I as I liked. Uh, but the year before, I think when that last year it was March fifteenth was the opening date. Um, you know, and I always take my obviously I've always got my phone. Um, and when I don't have uh service, I've always got a GPS with me. So I I'm constantly, you know, marking things on that. But I would always, you know, keep track of my daily travels. Um and, you know, and it must have been that would have been twenty 16, I guess,
1: 2016,
0: I guess. Yeah. Um, you know, hiked a total of in six weeks, I hiked 306 miles Wow. You know, looking for <laughs> antlers. So I've got no issue, you know, kind of getting back in there and, and, uh, and finding these little, you know, spots that are kind of out of the way, um, that not a lot of people are kind of paying attention to or, or, you know, willing to hike into. So that's what I kind of start looking at. Um, you know on google earth i just trying to find those spots that are kind of out of the way and and, and um you know a little further away than most people want to go look and and to be honest that that year i hiked that much i maybe maybe saw one other shed hunter you know looking where i was um so so i'm clearly kind of getting off the beaten path and and, and getting out there you know to, to areas that are that are less looked over and I think that has to do with some of my success you know um i it just makes sense to me that <laughs> the further you get away from roads and 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 as long as they're viable spots, you know you're gonna find antlers so
1: yeah, for sure that's what I
0: really kind of try and that's what I kind of find you know look for on google it's just hard hard to get to places um obviously looking at terrain features you know the cliche south facing steep slopes um are are kind of your number one starting point um but I also look at um, some east-facing slopes, too. Um, I've, I've found a lot of antlers on east-facing slopes, and I don't know. Granted, that slope has you know some good thermal cover, um, and it's got some food on it. I, I feel like some of those animals, especially if it's a colder winter, like being on that east side because that's the first morning sun you get. So they're getting that sun kind of right away to warm up. And then they kind of migrate around those east slopes to the southeast and to the south, and, and spend a lot of their time, you know, kind of around that kind of corner. Um, so I'm looking, you know, not not just typically for the south-facing slopes, but but any slope that's going to get the sun, that's got some cover, that's got food, um, and and that's kind of where I start. And then I kind of once I find a spot, then I really start kind of picking apart, you know, making sure it's got bedding close by, uh, or not too far away. Cause I mean, this time of year, those animals aren't going to travel very far to get food. Yeah. Uh, same, same with, same with water. Um, that's, that's another, you know, factor I, I kind of hone in on, uh, you know, these, it's amazing what these animals will, uh, endure for safety, especially big bulls, you know, they'll, they'll, If they can stay up as high as possible and and the snow levels aren't too high for them to kind of you know compete with they'll they'll stay out of the way you'll never see them um they don't they don't as you know they don't follow those cows down like the young bulls will and and you know where it's easier and they can get food more more readily those those big bulls if they can if they can take it they will stay out of the way um so that's kind of what I'm looking for. Those, those kind of little places. Now, some years, you know, this year, it's going to be interesting to see, uh, you guys have certainly had more snow this year than the past few. Um, so we'll see if, if those animals are still sticking up, you know, at those higher elevations, uh, and, and, you know, and just taking it in order to stay safe. We'll see. I don't know that, that you're not going to know until you get boots on the ground, get in there, you know, see what kind of sign you're looking at. And, uh, You know, you just really never know. I mean, it's no exact science for sure. You can only pick out those spots that look good um, or or you think they look good to you and then really check them out. Yeah. It's, It's, there's no getting around it. You know, there's, there's no getting around it. Google earth is not going to tell you everything you want to know. Um, You've got to get out there <laughs> and let's them. no of, doubt about it,
1: of course, yeah, and uh one video I put together on my youtube channel it's called uh Digital Scouting for elk in colorado and it and it shows you yep. those how to download those overlays and that was pretty helpful for me, you know, starting out, you know, like you can look at that overlay this area that, Oh man, that's pretty, pretty far off the road. It's a South facing slope. It's in a kind of secluded basin. And, you know, that's going to get you in the ballpark. And, and like you mentioned, Brad, it's going to vary year to year, um, based on snow levels, but you know, it's at least gets you an idea and, and it helps you kind of get started, um, with kind of a general area, and then you get into picking apart certain terrain features and and things to look for. In that regard, um, what what are what are some of the things that you look for specifically? I know, I know my myself. I kind of like to cl- um, key in. Like you said, get if you're looking for let's say elk sheds. Um, you know, like you mentioned earlier, the bulls seem to be kind of further off the beaten path. They're usually at higher elevations than the kind of lower. Um, herds that you'll see with just cows and spikes and in the small bulls but um i like to look for those kind of secluded basins they're further off the beaten path and then within those areas i like to look for like kind of benchy stuff and little aspen cuts mm-hmm. that uh, you know it yep. seems like they like to kind of stay in and it gives them some cover but sunlight and there's some food in there um talk to us a little bit mm-hmm. about like these the the spot within the spot like what terrain features you're looking for um, and and kind of what what kind of gives you more, a higher probability of of finding antlers?
0: Yeah, that's a that's a good question. Um, that's a really, really good question. <laughs> um, I don't I don't know. You know, I mean, for me, like I said, for me, boots on the ground is is the best case scenario. You know, I I kind of isolate those spots, and I'm like, yeah, I want to check that out. Um, and until you really get in there and see what kind of sign, you know, is in, is in those areas. I don't, I don't know for me, you know, Google Earth shows me a general area and then I'm the one that's willing to go, you know, hike the six miles to go check it out and really see what it looks like. Yeah. I feel like you can't, you can't get everything you need from, you know, Google Earth or, or whatever application you're using. Uh, nothing beats getting in there and, and actually looking. Um, yeah, I mean, the Aspen Cuts, uh, you know, generally they get more um, more light, you know, once the leaves drop, they get more light. The understory, uh, there's definitely more growing in there. Um, you know, I'm sure you've seen this, but, you know, all, all these Aspen trees, once you get up to certain elevations, all have you know the the markings of where they've been chewed on by these elk that that you know stick up there stick up there a little bit longer um and you can imagine these snow levels um uh you know at certain times of the year and and these animals are still kind of hanging up there trying to stay up there as long as they can before they get pushed out if the snow gets too deep you know and 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 the only thing available is is that cambium layer of, of those Aspen trees. And they'll, they'll do whatever they can, you know, to get the nutrition they need to, to stay safe and stay at that elevation. And then it just, at, at some point it gets too much and they've got to come down. Um, so, you know, bedding, bedding is important. You know, the, the close, you know, food sources are important. So you've got to kind of factor in, you know, like you said, those Aspen cuts, what they're eating, you know, water, you um, those benchy areas because you know even though they're on those south facing steep slopes they're not going to bed there they're going to bed you know they're going to spend their their nights there feeding um they're waiting for that sun to come up spending as much time as they can there before they head off to bed so obviously looking for those flat benchy ledges that are that are not too far apart um from from feeding in water and 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 those things Um, that's kind of where i kind of will break out those topo maps if i have them um because it shows me those real terrain features, um, as opposed to like a Google Earth, that that you know, it, you can get a little bit out of it, but you know, if you if you've got a, a good topo map, it'll really show you those benches, and they, they kind of really stick out. So you know, for me, I, I don't know, I don't know if this is the answer you're looking for, but you know, I I find that area, and then I'm willing to kind of hike in there, even if even if I find nothing. Um, I need to get in there and, and see what kind of sign there is, because um, if there's no sign, there's not going to be any antlers. Those animals are not in there. Uh, but if if you walk in, you start to see tracks. Um, you'll even if at that elevation, there's probably even even come May one, there's probably going to be a little bit of snow up there, and you'll see tracks. You know, you'll see um, you know the droppings of of kind of hopefully what you're looking for, not cow droppings, but you know the clumpy full droppings that you're looking for um so i mean that's 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 my my method you know i i I haven't like i said i'm still learning this process and and i'm still kind of learning more on the you know the application side as far as these apps and and whatnot uh what to look for I'm, i'm still pretty new at this um but for me like i said it's it's putting on the miles it's patience it's it's um moving slower than I used to, you know, when you're, when you're, when I'm looking for this, for these antlers, I've, I found that I, I have much better luck and I, I am much more successful the slower I move and, and kind of picking areas apart.
1: Yeah. Yeah, of course. And, and like I said, there's, there's nothing that beats actually getting out there and, and, and doing it. Yeah. Um, but like this time period right now, I I've been kind of driving around and uh, you know, glassing quite a bit. And mm-hmm. I've been watching yep. uh, a couple groups of bulls uh, lately and they kind of feed during the morning and evenings on this private that is kind of like alfalfa hayfield. But then, but then at right. night uh, and, and later in the morning, they're, they're betting up on public on some BLM behind it. So mm-hmm. uh, I'm hoping, yep. you know, it's not for me, it's not really the stereotypical kind of like high secluded, um, you know, Aspen benches. That's like pretty low elevation this year just because of the snow, mm-hmm. but I'm watching these bulls and right. I'm, I'm hoping I'll be able to go in there May 1st and, and, and pick up some antlers on the BLM, uh, you know, behind there. So is that, is that a big part of like your strategy too is just like kind of get into a spot where you can glass some of these areas and just keep an eye and, and locate these bulls. Is that, is that a big part of your, your plan going into the shed season?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, especially you know, last year you mentioned you know, when I called you at the office and, and rolled in yeah. uh, with with you know with with a few a, a truckload truck of bed. sheds. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't say a truckload because I carried them all out in one load on my back. But um, yeah, I, that's a big part of it. You know, you've got to get out there and scout. You know, if you can, um, you know, just get on the roads, do some glassing from the roads. I mean, optics are super important. You know, a good spotting scope obviously helps. Um, but yeah, riding the roads, looking up, you know, in those high basins, you know, kind of looking a little further than somebody else might think where they are. Um, like you said, these, these bulls, uh, sounds like they're a little bit lower than normal. And that tells me, you know, snow levels have, have certainly pushed them down. Um, it's also going to make those antlers probably a little harder to get. Um, because if they're, you know, they could easily be in those alfalfa fields, they can be in that transition zone, you know, heading up to bedding. Yep. Um, but I guarantee, you know, some other folks are probably watching those same animals. Uh, so, so, you know, when, don't, when the animals don't, tell me that, I don't like these yeah, big... <laughs> 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 I hope so. I don't know. So. You better get up there, uh, daylight on May one. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, that's why I don't like, you know, I obviously prefer these more mild winters, not for the, you know, the health of these animals because you have more survivability, but I prefer these antlers to be, you know, much higher and, and, and you got to work harder to get them. And that's where I kind of succeed. um and, and I like them spread out more, you know, when you have these big, these big snow years, um these animals get pushed down. And usually it's, uh you know, what, what kind of ground is, you know, down in the valleys, you usually get ranches and farms and, and it's a lot of private land. So a lot of these, Antlers end up, you know, getting dropped there and 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 picked up. You know, you know. Actually, uh, March fifteenth. I mean, that kind of goes back to, you know, the whole <clears throat> March fifteenth, May one thing that we were discussing. You know, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, there's think no if, restrictions if if on private. Ba- yeah, well, it's isn't it March fifteenth for private? Or, or can you look for them whenever I don't, I don't, think I, don't know I don't think sure. there's
1: any restrictions on private. I think it's yeah. anything goes. Cause yeah. I mean, it's not like something yeah. they can really enforce, um, really on that. Right. End. So I, I think it's, I think it's yeah. open game yeah. anytime on private, but may 1st on anything public.
0: Got it. Okay. So yeah, I mean, you know, so when you have these big snow years, you obviously are forcing these animals down and, and these antlers are more accessible. So, so <laughs> come May 1, it, it's going to be a mad dash to, you know, <laughs> uh, hopefully get your share. Um, but, but you know, it, it is what it is. Um, I, I, I prefer obviously those, those years where they're a little more spread out. Um, cause I obviously like to get out there and, and hike as much as I can, but, um, you know, it's, uh, it is what it is and, uh, you gotta do what you can to, uh, make sure you succeed. So,
1: yeah. Yeah. Um, T- talk to us a little bit about, uh, last year's scenario, because I think that's a pretty textbook, um, you know, spot that you've, you've figured out. Um, but talk to us about that. Like, what does that area look like specifically as far as terrain? Like, are these bulls up on a flat bench on the backside of a, you know, Canyon or somewhere secluded? Like what does that look like specifically? And, and what makes it so good?
0: Yeah. And, and I, yeah, sorry, I got a little off topic there on that last uh, kind of just divulged into something else, <laughs> but um, <laughs> back to the scouting thing, you know, I mean, you can ride roads and, and, and see what you can see from the road, but sometimes you've got to, you know, get out and, and do a little hike. And then fortunately you're, you're allowed to hike uh, before May 1 and, and um, you know, do other things as, rather than just pick up an antler. So, um you know, it's, it's good to get up, you know, get a good vantage point, do some glass and, you know, see if you can find some animals that way. Um, You know, and I do it from a distance, you know, I'm not influencing those animals at all. They have no idea I'm there. Um, And you just try and, you know, find those areas where those animals are hanging out um, and then you're leaving them alone. And, and just like last year, uh, that's exactly what happened. And, and was able to go in there May 1 and, and find, you know, a, a decent amount of antlers. They were all within you know, a 500-yard radius, and clearly those animals found something that they liked. You know, um, in within that terrain feature, it was kind of a benchy area. They had plenty of of you know, it's a nice little secluded sage flat that was down over the top of the mountain, uh, dropping into a uh, kind of a big creek bottom. Um, but <laughs> when I say creek bottom, I mean like gorge. Uh, it, it's very steep and rugged back there, but but the area. Where all these antlers were, we were on a, a, a sage flat, probably 100 yards wide by 400 yards long. Um, so it was one little spot where they found food, they found security. Um, I'm sure they were going down to that, that creek uh, down below. I don't know exactly how they were getting down there because it's so darn steep. Uh, I, I feel like there's got to be uh, an easy, somewhat easy way for them to get down there. Um, cause I, I feel like they were probably going down there to water. Um, maybe not every day. Um, cause I'm sure they were, you know, using snow and whatnot for, for some of that, but I know they were getting down there somehow cause they've got to cross that, that, that gorge, um, at some point. So there's gotta be an easier way for them to get down. I haven't figured that out yet, but they were simply just off, off the top of the mountain on the backside where they had zero pressure um, and, and, knew they were going to see nobody back there and they just lived their winter back there. Um, and by the time I got in there, may one, they were long gone. Who knows where they went? You know, they went off to, you know, wherever they probably summer, um, and, and started doing that stuff. Um, but I found three, you know, three match sets and two singles in that small, probably 500 yard, you know, radius area and they were just, uh, they, they had everything they needed, you know, and, and they were just out of view and felt completely content with, with being there and, uh, and stayed there until they dropped their antlers and then moved off. So, um, scouting, you know, when you, when you, when you can get off the roads and do a little hiking, getting to a high vantage point where you can see a lot of ground, um, you can really locate those animals. And, and if it's, if it's uh, you know an area where you've got some bulls hanging out, <clears throat> just leave them alone. You know, let them go, and you don't bother them. They'll stay there, and those antlers will drop, and you can go in and hopefully pick them up.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, it sounds what you're describing is <laughs> it sounds like the perfect storm. You've you've got seclusion. You know, you're miles off the road. Uh, you've got some yep. sort of like terrain feature that that makes them hard to get to. It sounds like there's a canyon. You know, kind of below them. That's real rugged, and and yep. maybe like some you know rugged stuff behind them. Uh, they've got a flat bench, so the terrain's pretty nice. They've got plenty of sun, um, you know. There's there's food there in the sage and the grass, and then and then uh, you know probably some bedding close by as well. So it sounds like the the perfect perfect storm there of everything that they need, and uh, you're just kind of waiting them out and 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 going in there and getting them. That's uh, pretty cool.
0: Yeah. Yeah, in in that area I had hunted before, oh, I don't know, a couple of years prior to that, uh, did some mule deer hunting in there and and had always found sign, uh, you know, pretty strong elk sign, uh bull sign, rubs, you know, old old droppings. Um so I, I knew they used that area at some point and and I think probably some of them even used it, you know, during the rut and and held, you know, cows in there. Yep. Um but you know, but I never found any other you know, sheds and, and I don't know that somebody else hadn't been in there at one point and, and picked up a couple sheds. I don't know. Um, and maybe it's a new area that these elk found, uh, that they really liked and, and it was a great food source and, you know, had everything they needed to, you know, ride out that winter right there. Um, I'm hoping that they're up there again. Uh, like I said, I haven't had a chance to do any scouting yet this year. Um, kind of being, being away from that area. Um, so I'm hoping to get up there in the next couple of weeks and, and take my same hike that I did last year and, and hopefully locate some animals up there and see if they're still hanging around. My, my guess is they have probably moved off, uh, somewhere lower. Um, but I won't know until I really get up there and, and kind of take a look. Yeah. So, you know, and I, 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 this is clearly a different winter than last winter. So I expect something different. I don't expect them to be there again, but uh, hopefully I'll be pleasantly surprised <laughs> when I get back up in there <clears throat> and, uh, and, and find an antler or two. So we'll, we'll, we'll see. We'll yeah. see. And I, I think they're, they're, you know, some, some animals have areas year after year that they really like, they like to spend their winters, but sometimes, you know, there's nothing they can do about it. Um, mother nature pushes them out of there and they've got to go somewhere different. So, um, this is obviously clearly a different winter than last. So I, I don't expect the same result, but, but we'll, we'll, <laughs> we'll see.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, one, one thing I've really noticed too, is like when, when you find okay. antlers, uh, you know, if you're finding, yep. you know, a shed here, shed there, uh, I kind of, I kind of pay attention to the elevation that I'm at because, um, sometimes I've seen it where you, you've got a bad snow or a, or, you know, a hard winter And, and those animals Mm -hmm. are kind of right at the snow line. So like, let's say antlers are dropping, you know, mid February for mule deer or something and the snow levels at a certain point. Um, I feel like they're, they're in those areas where the the ground's exposed. And, um, Mm -hmm. I find a lot of times if, if I just find antlers at a certain elevation, I can stay along that same kind of elevation, uh, pattern in a, in a different area. And I end up finding sheds uh, pretty much in the same, same elevation point. Do you kind of see the same thing sometimes?
0: Yeah, for sure. Um, You know, I I think all those mature animals, they want to be safe. Um, So they'll do whatever they can to, to make sure that they're going to survive. They're going to be safe. So I I think, you know, they want to be as high as possible away from all the people in the valleys um, so, so yeah, I think they, you know, they follow that up the mountain. Um, and if it, if, if, a, you know, that snow line is at 8,500 feet, you know, when, when those more mature, healthy elk start dropping in early March, you know, then I think you're going to probably find a lot of antlers at that elevation, you know, in that specific area. Um, but yeah, I, I completely, uh, agree with that. You know, you'll, you'll find them at that same elevation level, you know, across the mountain. Yeah. Uh, is yeah. I, I think what you're saying, yeah. Um, but yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. Yeah.
1: So, uh, let's talk a little bit, cause we, we've been talking mainly on elk right now, kind of more secluded, higher basins, um, you know, South facing yep. slopes. Let's, let's talk a little bit about mule deer. Cause, uh, you know, it seems like mule deer are at a much lower elevation. Um, elk in general, they're just hardier, right? They can, they can handle the deeper snows. They can handle the higher elevation, the, the, the cold and be exposed to that a little bit more. Yeah. But, you know, I've noticed the deer, uh, they got to get lower. They've, they can't handle the, the deep snow like the elk can. So, um, talk to us a little bit about the differences in mule deer sheds versus maybe elk sheds and, you know, some of the different terrain features and elevation levels uh, in that regard.
0: Yeah. So I think hundred percent, right. Um, you know, it's just a smaller animal. Their legs are shorter. They they just can't handle the snow like an elk can. They're, they're taller. They can wade through that stuff and, and bigger bodied, you know, um, they're, they're just hardier. Yep. Uh So yeah, mule deer, are obviously even, even mature, I mean I've I've found some really good, you know, mule deer sheds at at a pretty low elevation, but I but I still feel like they're still a little out of the way, out of view, you know, over the tops of the ridges that you can't see from say roads. Uh not to say that they're not moving down at night and hitting those alfalfa fields and, and that, that those lower elevations, but they do the same thing. Yeah. Just to the lesser extent. I you know, I think that that the elk do. Um, they move down and they move back up and, and kind of get out of view, and, and spend their days, you know, bedded on, on, you know, those benches where, where they can, they've got, you know, escape down up, you know, whatever. Um, but they're just at lower, you know, lower elevations, um, a hundred percent. And, and when I talked earlier about, I, you know, when I, when I talk about those east facing slopes, some of my best, uh, mule deer spots have been those east facing slopes, um, where those animals, those mature bucks, have stayed up a little higher. They're looking for that early, um, you know, sunshine so they can warm up a little faster and then shift around to those south, south-facing slopes. So um, I've been surprised to find as many uh, mule deer sheds on those east-facing slopes as I have. Um, I, I, that's, that's been kind of my one little trick with with mule deer um and i don't know what it is I, I i i really have no idea they just seem to like those slopes as long as they've got cover and food um they they tend to gravitate to those um but then obviously shift around to the south facing they kind of you know follow that sun around that corner and and get on those south facing slopes obviously uh because tons and tons of mule deer sheds are found on those slopes year in year out um but you know, it's it's they do the same thing that elk do, just at a lower elevation. So I, I kind of look for the same things, you know, a couple things that are a little different here and there. Um, when when you get to those lower elevations, I think um, you know you, you do get the antlers a little more spread out than elk. Um, you know, if, if elk can only go so high, so you'll you'll find them at that same elevation, like we were just talking about, um, pretty commonly. Um, but I think mule deer can still it got because they're lower, they can still move around and, and, and reach uh, more area and, and therefore spread out those antlers a bit. So I, I find deer antlers to be a little more spread out. Elk I find to be a little more concentrated, if yeah. that makes sense.
1: Yeah, for sure. What what's your process of, of glassing? I mean, are you are you spending a lot of time and finding a lot of antlers through the glass and getting up on a vantage point, or are you just strictly like pounding the boot? boots on you know sage flats and in these areas like kind of what's your breakdown are you glassing half the time are you walking half the time like what's your take on that
0: yeah I, I glass a lot more than I used to you know when I first started it was all about getting out there I thought I had to cover as much ground as possible as fast as possible and you know as I've done this more I've learned that the slower you go the more you find uh the more you glass the more you find so um yeah I like finding a vantage point you know it's super important to have good optics. Um, you know, I'm not always lugging, you know, my, my spotting scope's a little bulky, so I'm not always lugging that thing around. I'd like to get a nice, smaller, more compact, but still powerful, you know, spotting scope that I can take with me all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, cause some slopes you get them just, you get them just a little far away and with your binos, you know, it,
1: it, <laughs> is it it a a stick?
0: you know, but, but if I had a spotting scope, I'd be able to, you know, figure that out yeah, you know, and that would keep me from hiking all the way around the basin to go <laughs> yeah. look and find out that it was a stick. Um, we've all done that. But um, you know, I, I glass a lot more than I used to. And, and one thing that I've found to be super important when you are glassing, whether you're using just your binos or a spotting scope is a good solid rest of some kind. I always, if I take my spotting scope, obviously I'm always taking a small tripod and I've got it on a uh, kind of a fluid head ball mount, which, which, really lets me kind of stand smoothly you know not kind of bounce around and jerky some of your some of your mounts you know we have the twist handle and you're kind of moving it and 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 you can only move it as smooth as your hand goes you yeah Um, but if you get if you get good fluid head you know you can really move it smoothly um and and hold it nice and steady and and really uh, see more antlers that way And, and the same with your binos you know um i don't always have a little tripod with me for my binos um but sometimes i do and i've got an attachment where those binos lay right on top and it's got a strap that goes over top to hold them nice and steady uh so i'll do the kind of the same process that i do with my spotting scope but i don't always if i'm just going out you know for a short trip i'm not always taking um, and if it's like you know if i'm hiking and i'm trying to minimize weight i'm not taking that bino just for my uh or my tripod for my binos so um you can, you can fashion, you know, even if you just get a couple of sticks and, and tie them off with a piece of string and make your own little bipod, whatever you can do to give yourself a better rest is going to help you kind of pick apart an area better. Um, it's, it's, I've looked at slopes with binos just by holding them, trying to put my, you know, my elbows on my knees and, and hold them as, as steady as possible. And then you'll whip out a spotting scope with a super solid rest and it's nice and smooth and you'll actually pick out an antler that you didn't see with your by you know with your binos just because you were moving you know slower more steady it was more clear if you know what i'm saying so binos uh spotting scope definitely glassing way more than i used to um and then i'll you know if i find one then then i know where i'm heading and then i'll kind of start picking apart that area but um you know getting that good vantage point as much ground as you can cover without walking is is going to help um, it'll kind of help you figure out kind of the direction to go and then from there and then it's just boots on the ground checking sign seeing how fresh it is um, and and then picking that area apart you know and that's 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 the hard part the easy part sitting on a hill looking for them and then you know finding out what direction you're going to go
1: Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Well, all good stuff, Brad. And, uh, you know, we've definitely covered a lot of ground here and, and lots of good tips and, and, and strategies that we can put to use here, um, over the next month or two. And, uh, but I want to, I want to leave, I want to leave on a, on a note, me and you went shed hunting together. What was that? Like a year or two ago. And, uh, (laughs) it was a pretty adventurous day to say the, (laughs) to say the least. Um, we, uh, we rode in on, quiet cat bikes and uh i think this was before this was before the shed restriction of may 1st i think this was uh wasn't it wasn't it in like march sometime where we went up
0: yeah i think it might have
1: been it might have been that last year before it switched
0: yeah i don't know i don't know if it was that year or the year before i don't i don't know but it was yeah. It was, it was a late March, early April trip <laughs> for sure.
1: Yeah. So, so me and Brad yeah. grab a couple of bikes and uh, we go into this area. It's a, it's a gated road, but you know, you can still access it, but we went around it on the, on the e-bikes and um, in the morning going in, everything was real solid and frozen and uh <laughs> everything was fine but on the way in i uh i i ran over this snowbank <laughs> in the in the in the first half of it was like you know north facing so it wasn't getting the sun but when i crested the the snowbank hill uh the other side was south facing so <laughs> my tire dropped down into that and i freaking went over the handlebars <laughs> so i crashed i crashed on the way in and uh you know get all scarred up or whatever um dust myself off bike was fine i was fine for the most part and uh we went in we had a good time we had uh we found a couple sheds you found a really nice muley shed i think right off the start right that nice five by five
0: i did yeah we we parked up top and we were coming down you know just a little kind of finger ridge uh trying to get down to the sage below and um yeah i we're coming down i looked to my right and uh there was a a really good one laying back there i very surprised we didn't find the other side considering yeah. how, how big it was yeah um, it was definitely an older deer more mature deer um and uh i i totally expected to find that along that ridge somewhere but we never did and we, we looked pretty good for it too yeah but yeah that goes to show you know you never know i mean everybody says you know the bigger and more mature deer you know will drop somewhat close to one another but i don't know it depends on the deer you know yeah. some some I, Drop the same, you know, side by side every year. Some of them hang on to them. You just never know. You just never know. But I was, I was surprised that we didn't find that. but yeah. uh Yeah. That was uh <laughs> that was a good day. That was quite an adventure. Yeah. I it, I, I I remember that fall <laughs> uh, very very well. Watching you go over those handlebars, <laughs> uh, putting your shoulder into the ground, and yeah.
1: <laughs> it was pretty funny. Um, And then, uh, so yeah, you found that shed and then I found another mule deer shed. We found some other stuff too, but, um, you know, we, we found a couple brown ones, which was fun, but you know, I took that whole loop took probably about four hours or so by the time we got back up to the road, it was around noon or one o'clock and, uh, it'd been warming up pretty good. So what had happened is when we got back on the bikes and we're heading back out on the road, the road was just an absolute muddy mess from hell. And, uh, that 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 clay dirt you know like my my four-wheel drive truck struggles in that clay you know when when it gets real nasty and soupy so uh, so me and brad are coming out on the bikes and the mud is just caking up on all the tires uh we're just struggling um there was so much mud that it it re- literally stopped the bikes because there was so much mud on the tires there was like two three inches of mud on on the outside of the tires it literally just plugged up the wheels so we couldn't even move um <laughs> i broke a derailleur on the bike and uh ended up having to push it out like a mile <laughs> and then we just coasted down the hill but it was it was quite the adventure that day
0: <laughs> yeah uh hind, hind, hindsight being 2020 you know we should have got out of there a little sooner than yeah. <clears throat> we knew there was plenty of snow in that road and it was going to be And it was a nice day it was a warm day it was sunny and uh you know we should have known that it, it was going to be all melted <laughs> and loose when we came out and it certainly was yeah it was it was slow going
1: yeah yeah it was slow, even
0: slower when you even slower when you broke that <laughs> yeah we price,
1: and then and then price. having
0: having you know having so much snow on them that we had to take them to the, to the, uh, car wash to hose them down. I mean, it was, it was that much mud. It was crazy.
1: I was going to say, I think I spent $10 at the car wash, just, uh, hosing down the bike. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. I don't know what, what, what was our ride in? Maybe, maybe 15, 20 minutes, but it yeah. probably took us what an easy two hours to get out.
1: Oh yeah. Yeah. We were in, uh, I think about five miles on that road. And, uh, when you got to push yeah. it through mud uh for for a couple of those miles it 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 made for slow going but man one hell of a story and one hell of a memory i'll never forget that was a lot of fun
0: <laughs> <laughs> never forget it man, i think that's the only time you and i shed hunted maybe that's why you haven't come back out with
1: me hey hey yeah no kidding brad you're uh you're making me crash break <laughs> things you know i'm never going shed hunting with you again <laughs> you, no. you you had
0: a much harder you had a much harder ride than I did. My, my ride was easy compared to yours.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. You got the you got the good stick on that on that turn. But speaking <laughs> of which, we need we need to link up for some some uh, for some trips this year. We should at least do do one together. Um, we'll have to we'll have to figure that out yeah. here to to head out and and put some miles on. That'd be real fun.
0: Yeah, for sure. Maybe when I come up. Uh, you know, we're heading out of town. We're going down to Austin here um this week for a few days. Um have you been down to Austin?
1: I have driven through there. I haven't spent any time, but I've heard it's uh yeah. it's a really, really cool spot.
0: Yeah, neither one of us have been down there, so we're we're kinda jumping at the bit to get out get out of here, get out of town a little bit and go check check out a new city. So yeah, we're looking forward to that. But anyway, when we get back, um I'd like to kind of get up that way and look some things over and maybe we can kind of take a ride together and, and look at some stuff. But, um, and if we can't even link up for that, we'll definitely, you know, that first week of May, um, when, when everything opens up, we'll get out there and hit it. Heck I'll show yeah. you some of my, some of my, secrets, some, of my, <laughs> some of my little honey holes.
1: I won't tell anybody, Brad. No, I know you all not That's <laughs> why I'm taking you. Well, sounds good, man. Well, I appreciate you coming on the show and, uh, you know, we'll we'll have to link up here soon. And, uh, again, thanks thanks for your time, and, and we'll talk to you later, Brad.
0: Thanks, Adam. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. And, uh, you know, congratulations with everything Transition Wild, man. You're killing it. You're doing a good job. So uh, love love hearing all the stuff that you're saying about on your podcast and all the other stuff you're putting out. So good job.
1: Appreciate it, Brad. Appreciate it, man. We'll, we'll catch yep. you on later.
0: Okay. Sounds good. Thanks, Adam.
1: All right, and there it is. Another episode in the books. Big thanks to Brad for coming on the show. Had a blast talking with you, and uh, definitely look forward to get out and do some shed hunting with you this spring. So, uh, I appreciate everybody listening. That that was really cool. Um, again, Brad is is kind of the, my my go to expert that I consult whenever I've got a shed hunting question. So, hope you guys learned. A thing or two and um, you know found that interesting to to hear about so uh, again i appreciate you tuning in all right that is it make sure you go to transitionwild.com subscribe and leave me that five-star review on itunes and stitcher and google play that'd be much much appreciated thanks to everybody who left reviews and um, did everything for the vortex giveaway that's pretty cool and uh, you know that was that was fun to do, and and hopefully we can do more giveaways like that in the future. So um, again, appreciate you guys. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll talk to you soon.